Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Podside, everyone. This is, of course, Carlo, and today it's just me and Kurt. Kurt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Excellent. Wonderful. Delightful. Oh, my. That's and great. Good. <laughs> <laughs> also good. That's good. All right. Um, and, and today it's it's sort of just a basically chilling, not quite a beer run, but, you know, I do have a beverage nearby, so. Oh, as do I. Cheers. Oh, son of a... Son of a gun! I, I, my, mine's already open. I'll have to like, hold on, I'll have to like, crack. Oh there we go. wow! It's like Memorex. the magic of radio, Carlo. <laughs> <laughs> wow! It's almost. Did you have a soundboard over there, Kurt? Yeah, yeah I've, I've, got, I've got a guy over here with like a bunch of lettuce, some like wooden blocks on his feet, one of those big <laughs> metal sheets that you shake to make it sound like thunder. Well, I mean, I, it it also made me remember. Uh, it reminded me of like those uh, episodes of Bugs Bunny where he's like he's hiding out and he like yes. goes into the shower. He's like goigle goigle. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, excellent. Uh, so so today we are just here to just chat a little bit and talk about our uh, our next couple of read-alongs, which we have already mentioned previously but now we have like dates and shit you know like i i put down dates goals to be reached hmm. like it's like a job or something what the fuck yeah yeah podcasting job <laughs> <laughs> what's that all about so yeah i mean uh we we had we had talked a little bit about uh you know reading Susanna clark's um first Pure Nessie as sort of like a, an amuse-bouche, if you will, uh, and then headed towards uh, – you, you, Kurt, had said that um, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell gave you an autumnal, if not a full, full-blown winter-y hmm. uh, feel. Yeah, I would say it begins autumnal, transitions into winter, and then somewhat confusingly becomes fall again. <laughs> <laughs> Back Absolutely. to Halloween country. Maybe actually, maybe the part with the um, what is it? It's like it's like the campaign in like Spain. I think mm, yeah. maybe maybe that part is uh, is uh, is a bit summary, but but the rest, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, it is Spain. It's very hot. That's right. It's very hot and an offense to English sensibilities, mm-hmm. uh, as, as as I remember. Um, it's no yeah, place for like, proper English magic. I mean, you can't get a uh, you can't get a good uh, cup of there, you know. <laughs> they just drink coffee. <laughs> but no, yes, I I think this is perfect timing um, for this uh, p- pair of novels. It's Piranesi is I, I guess it's it's an it's anthology, short, right? It's no, collection. no, it's it's a short novel. 
Oh, okay. I thought it was an anthology for some reason. See, I I literally don't know anything about it. So I'll shut oh, up for okay. the next like forty five seconds. No, no, it, it's 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 fine. I mean, uh, you might be thinking about the um, the ladies of Grace of Dew mm. who, uh, that mm. that I'd mentioned previously. That is sort of like a, a collection of short stories that are set in. Um, you know, like the 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 Jonathan Strange and Mister Norrell sort of okay. milieu or whatever. I mean, Jonathan Strange actually uh, shows up in a couple of a couple of times in that as well. So, mm-hmm. as I understand, I, I have I myself have not read uh, that collection, with the exception of, I believe it's called John John Osglass and the Cambrian Charcoal Burner. Yes, you've mentioned that. Yes, I had mentioned it. it, it I I'd read it. Oddly enough, it it I want to say it was like some time around two thousand eight, maybe two thousand nine, mm-hmm. uh, was published in the magazine of uh, fantasy and science fiction. By then, I'd already read uh, Jonathan Strange and Mister Norrell. So, uh, mm-hmm. uh, so so that was fun because it. it it sort of is just like this little snippet and in a very um, actually like laugh out loud moments in that book, at mm. least for me. Uh, I, I've, I don't know about you, but I, I find a lot of the humor in uh, Jonathan Strange to be very, very effective for me. I it is. It is. It is dry as an ungarnished cracker, um, <laughs> but it is funny. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Also, with a a very uh, d- delightfully arch uh, narrative voice. <laughs> yes, yeah, and uh, and, it, it, and it's it's nice. It's such a wonderful novel, just from from start to back. Like I, I have to say, I really vibe with the character of Mister Norell, even though like he's not the cool or appealing one. There's just something about him that is very. I don't know, just like delightfully, like it's it's always about fifteen percent funny to me. Just everything he does, the entire book is always like a little bit he's, funny. He's he's always he's he's such he's such a little gnomish character, isn't he? Yes, yeah, he's like um, gosh, he's like he he's like a weird little guy from like a Roald Dahl book or something. <laughs> he is, he is. Uh, God, the, the I don't want to spoil anything yet. Uh, but but the 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 whole thing that he he manages to uh, basically crush the what is it the York the the, the new yeah. society of York magicians or whatever <laughs> and he doesn't even show up. <laughs> yes, yeah, he just like sends it's, them rude letters. It's so good. It's so good. It, it, soul of a poster, I would say. Uh, yes. given the fact that he loves he loves to write letters. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to the our our Byronic his Byronic uh, counterpart uh, Jonathan Strange who is, you know, very very uh, very much uh, tall, dark, and dumb as bricks. Uh, yeah, in many senses. Yeah, he's like the classic like like gothic romance hero of like he's cool, uh, he's cool, attractive, stupid, and doomed. Um, and it's very, but like may, maybe he himself doesn't come across as doomed, but you know that he portends doom for everyone that he encounters. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of like a good comparison. He's, Who isn't he's just he's, literally Byron. <laughs> he's he's Angela Fletcher for everyone that lives in the murder. Kind of, universe. yeah, yeah. <laughs> she shows up in town. You better. She tells you she's going to go come visit you. Leave. You're going to be yeah. dead. <laughs> 
unless you're that uh, the one sheriff that fought, that that is always conveniently present. <laughs> well, you know, hey, she's going to do all your work for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let's. Um, I want to ask you this, Carlo, because I actually don't know the answer to this. Um, mm-hmm. you've obviously read, uh, Jonathan Strange and Mister Norrell, and I gather that you've read Piranesi. Um, so let I've, me. Let, I, I, actually, let me just small correction. Okay. I've not finished reading Piranesi. So okay. Okay. This will be your first time. But go ahead. Well, my question was going to be: um, When did you read Jonathan Strange and Mister Norrell? I know some people just call it Jonathan Strange. I think that's rude to Mister Norrell. You know. So it's, it's, say, it's, Nor- it's Mister Norrell introvert erasure. Okay. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Um, so my question is: When did you first read it, and why? So, uh, I remember, and, and I'm going to guess this was around the time it came out. I think this is what, 2003 ish? I want to say. I think Let it came out here. in 2004 because it won a Hugo in 2005. Th- that, okay, so it's 2004. I, I see that's, I was thinking it, it had won in 2004, but no, okay, so that's 2004. Uh, it, it must have been when it came out. Like, I, I was like, you know, like working some shitty part-time job. So I saw the book, like the original cover, the white with the black uh, Raven. Yep. Me too. Me too. Uh, and, and the, the, the beautiful lettering and all that good stuff. And I just, I was at the borders that had opened uh, RIP borders um, in, in Puerto Rico in the main, the biggest mall that they have there. And uh, so I, I saw it and I was like intrigued. And I was like, I opened it up. And I started reading and something about the voice mm-hmm. and just how how fussy and sort of funny. It, like you said, like it, 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 it isn't like Xanth level humor. This isn't no, like there's no, there's no, there's no jokes. It's yeah, yeah. It's just, but it's just such a funny, uh, you know, wry voice that it starts off with and just the idea like i i think i was just started talk uh reading the the scene where the the york magicians are ga- gathering up <laughs> and it, it, then it explains fussily that uh that they are theoretical magicians which means yeah. that they're fans of magic basically <laughs> yeah they're like which, um What's what's that? Uh, they're kind of they're, they're kind of reminiscent of like the ink blots plus like the Royal Society plus like the uh, what's that called like like the Explorers Society or whatever it is. Kind of like a the like a bunch of rich guys yeah. who get together and drink brandy and go. Yeah, exactly. They, they put on their monocles and they they maybe read a a, a passage and then argue, you know, mm-hmm. for for the rest of the evening over you yeah. know like a, a three sentences that they managed yeah. to read out. And they get a letter um, that basically says "fuck y'all," <laughs> <laughs> "fuck fuck them kids," um, but, fuck but them I just. Wizards. I, I found it so funny because it, the 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 way that it's presented that you know they would they're, they're proper English gentlemen and they would never think to become practical magicians, uh, and and that just seems so odd and funny to me. <laughs> I wanted like I was just utterly charmed by the way that this starts off, and it it's not even it's. It's difficult to explain uh, something as. Um, sort of ephemeral, 
to a certain extent as voice in a in in a book uh as the thing that draws you in uh because uh, there's obviously other stuff happening there there's you know even within those first couple of pages that i read um as I was just sitting, standing there in the midst of like uh, a crowded borders, reading the first couple of pages, and I realized, oh, I gotta buy this, <laughs> and 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 for my broke ass, you know, shelling out like close to twenty six bucks was like that was like a week's worth of lunches or some shit, you know. Mm. So so that was a big a big deal, but I bought it. And I did never. I I did not regret it. I never did. So I, I probably bought like several copies of this book. Over. Oh, really? I, I've yeah. I, I don't have them anymore. In part, that's why I've bought more than one copy. But mm-hmm. <laughs> but still, like I I I love this book. I have uh yeah. Like uh, it's the type of book that I would probably buy two more copies soon, just to lend one out, just in case someone wanted to read it. You know. Someone that's out there going like, you know, I, I want to read something that's like, you know, that's Jane, uh, Jane, like a, a wizard's, uh, a wizard book, uh, but written by Jane Austen. Yeah. Yeah. In a part, just a perfect, like something that goes above and beyond pastiche. Like, like it's something where, you know, pastiche kind of has a tendency at times to be precious because like most things that you could do a pastiche of and, you know, and, and certainly like, you know, 19th century literature is uh, quite easy to do a pastiche of. It has a very strong recognizable voice. Um, It's very easy to kind of use that, like, you know, those kind of weird run on like Victorian sentences that kind mm-hmm. of double back on themselves multiple times. You know, I having done this and having been to here went then subsequently to it kind of takes on the sound of like a police report, almost <laughs> like fancy language. <laughs> um, but but what's in, what blew me away about it was that I am really not someone who has a tremendous amount of familiarity with like 19th century English literature, you know, m- much more so now than I did when I read this. And I remember reading this for the first time in, yeah, when, when it came out in 2005, I had just, I think, moved back uh, into Philadelphia. So I was still in college. I had like a year, I, I had I had what I thought was a year or two left and turned out to be rather more like three years left. Um and I moved into an apartment out of my parents' house for the first time. Um, and I very much got into the habit of like carrying a big book around with me in my backpack. And this is a very big book, especially the it's just giant fucking it's huge. It's, it's, it's huge. It's like an eight, eight pound book. It's fucking it's massive. 800, it's 846 <laughs> pages or something like that, I think. Yeah. Hardbound. Um, if you've if you've ever held like one of the later Neil Stevenson books. Like Cryptonomicon, <laughs> it feels very much like. In fact, in fact, I I want to say what what's the name for those funny offset pages? It's like ruffled. Oh oh yeah yeah I know I, ruffled oh, pages shit. or something. Yeah something. I I don't remember exactly what it's called. I think uh, that my copy ha- I I, I yeah. could be confusing it with my mm-hmm. copy of uh, Cryptonomicon, which is about the same size and has like a, like a similar graphic design style. But I feel like my my copy had that, and I do want to try to find my giant copy. But um, the voice hit me so hard and I was so taken with it and just the fun puckishness of it that I read about a hundred pages 
maybe, maybe even like closer to 50. And I stopped and was like, I want to try to write something in a similar voice. And I, I literally went off, spent two years writing a novel in a similar voice, much, much worse than infinitely worse than <laughs> Susanna Clark. Um, if you'd like to hear me talk ab about that novel, uh, look up like the the first episode of Podside Picnic I, I I was on. I was kind of it's kind of a bummer because I think I sound very depressed in it. But but suffice to say, um, I, the the voice was so strong that I was like, if I read this, I will just do a, like a ripoff of the book. So I stopped. I went off. I tried to write my own novel, and then when I was done with that, I came back and finished reading the book. <laughs> Two years later. And it is, I, I just remember like, it was one of those books where I would be excited about getting done with my day or my class or whatever, so that I could read another, you know, 80 pages mm -hmm. um, of this book. And it was also like, for me anyway, I think this is like, it's, it's at the same time that I was discovering my love of, you know, the, the, the genre literature of yesteryear. So, like, I was reading this at the same time that I was getting into, like, Zelazny and Alfred Bester for the first time. And I was reading, like, some even earlier 20th century, like, sci-fi and fantasy. And, and it just it – it was in that era of my life where I could just pick up an 800-page book and be like, yeah, I'll just read mm -hmm. this for the next however long it takes me. Um, and uh, And also, I was living in this kind of area of West Philly – that was right up next to it was still pretty a pretty rich area but but less so than it was you know a hundred years ago when it was like the mansion row um and so like i'm reading this book as i'm walking around these you know 200 year old streets in west philly um under these these kind of like you know old artificially antiqued like you know, iron, you know, like, like wrought iron lamps and old church architecture. And it's all foggy and hilly. And there's far, you know, it, it, it felt to me, um, oh, this is, this is also when I got very much into like a GK Chesterton, for instance, you know, and it was just, <laughs> it, it was for me, it was all of a piece and it like, it just spoke to me so strongly and like clearly at that moment in my life that I, again, like, I, I think it kind of like changed the course of my appreciation for fantasy literature. Cause I was never really like a fantasy guy. Um, so yeah, it's, it was a very formative time for me and it was a very formative book for me. And I, I haven't reread it and I mm -hmm. haven't read Piranesi because it's one of those books that, um, I know I'm going to love. And mm -hmm. so I was like, well, I'm just going to like wait until I'm ready. You ever do that where you're like, I know I'm going to love this. So I'm going to wait until I need something that I'm going to love. You know, it's, it's funny. I, um, I don't really like, uh, I, I know what you're talking about because you, you've mentioned that before. Like, I think uh, you had mentioned when we did uh, like Excalibur that you, yes. you you knew that you'd love it. So you, you weren't really going to watch it. Uh, you wanted to save it, you know, because you knew you're going to love it. Yep. And and I, I totally understand the sentiment It is something that I have. I don't know that I've ever done that, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> And generally, uh, sometimes to my detriment, uh, because sometimes I'll I'll get something and it turns out I'm not really in the right frame of mind. I'm not ready to receive uh, what you know what what the what what the <laughs> are you, are you work ready is. to receive information that may delight you. <laughs> 
<laughs> no. <laughs> Sometimes the answer is no. <laughs> Would you like to live it deliciously? I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Okay, <laughs> give me a sec. I don't know, man. Um, but so, so Carla, the other thing, the, the reason, the other reason I hold off on stuff is when something really resonates with me, it like repolarizes my brain, and I want to live the thing. Right. So, like, when I reread this. I, I'm I, I'm going to be struck by the desire to wear a frock coat and carry a cane and bathe and, and like you know Nathan have J. a waistcoat and myself up. So forgive me, forgive me if if forgive me if, if I come back and start talking like this. <laughs> You've become a fancy lad yeah. with a waist with a waistcoat and a and a wrist and and a and a pocket watch. That's right. Yeah, you you bought the pocket watch just so that you'd have an excuse to get a waistcoat uh, <laughs> to put it on, uh, so you could you know just very dramatically stop at corners and take out your little pocket watch, flip it open. Um, so so yeah, uh, my journey to steampunk. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I so it's interesting because I. I read The Difference Engine, argue, it's not the first steampunk novel, but it is, mm-hmm. you know, a very formative one, uh, around the same time as I read this, and honestly, I didn't care for The Difference Engine that much. I enjoyed it, but it but it, it didn't it didn't hit me nearly as much mm. as this, and what this made me realize is that I just like historical stuff, mm-hmm. even if it's, you know, like, tweaked to be sci-fi or fantasy or whatever. I just like I, it. I, yeah, I guess I, uh, I lucked out that I read The Difference Engine way before this was on the radar, uh, so, so I did enjoy it for what it was like, not, not, not to derail completely, but I will say that, uh, Gibson and I think Sterling both yep. have, and, and this may simply also be a cyberpunk ish, uh, structure where there's a lot of front loading and really interesting stuff happening. And then it feels like abruptly ends or resolves. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, um, the difference engine much more so than Jonathan Strange feels like a thought exercise, which it was because, mm-hmm. as as I understand it, the genesis of that book was you know what if their 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 challenge to themselves was let's imagine a story in a world where like what if those early mechanical computers had really caught on and that mm-hmm. was that was when you know computers really took off was those like mechanical you know like clickety clackety. Jacquard's loom style things, um, mm-hmm. and and it it plays out very much like a thought exercise, albeit like a fun one. Whereas this is, I don't even know how to describe it. You know, I'm gonna yeah, need this... to be reading it again to really because it's just fucking. It's like, man, it's like th- this is like you've been banging two rocks together, and someone hands you a lump of plutonium and is like, <laughs> here you go, check this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining you smash cut to you like. Crack, <laughs> just like a a, a a mushroom cloud is like, whoa. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna say that you're you're wrong here because honestly, uh, I I do think that uh, Clark, uh, especially in uh, you know Jonathan Strange and Mister Norrell, basically, I mean, there, there's so many different little almost like modes that she's writing in and she she owns them all. She just fucking nails them every single. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, and, and and like, 
I'm I'm eager to read Piranesi mainly because I I, I read a couple of uh, chapters, but um, it it I, this was I think like early on in the pandemic I I got it and I just couldn't really get into it so I, I've been slowly as as everyone here has noticed uh, perhaps slowly cultivating a a a way to get back into reading that is not you know not, not um something you know my inner editor isn't immediately bringing out the red pencil as i read yeah. uh which is a it's honestly it's a, it's such a bad it's such a bad thing to have happen to you <laughs> you, you, you got to set that aside you really need to unlearn that to really enjoy you know reading again sometimes because Got to take, you got to take what what's given to you. Sometimes, you know. If I find yeah. myself doing that, I just, especially towards the beginning of a book, I just stop because it means that I'm not paying attention to the book, which means I'm mm-hmm. either not in the right mind frame, or it means that I just there's just nothing there. Because, like mm-hmm. for me, that's like a nervous fidget habit is to be like, oh, well, look, you know, like like I have to, you know, when I read or listen to after reading the first half or so of Kaiji Preservation Society. I, I was doing that. And, and that's part of the reason that I switched to the audiobook was I was like, I, I'm I'm just trying to distract myself from the fact that I don't like this. <laughs> yes, exactly. And like, what am I gonna do? Like mark up this ebook and fucking send it to John? <laughs> <laughs> Some suggestions for me. <laughs> Consider striking and I'm, it's all I'm, the book. Uh, it's it's called like a gamma reading. <laughs> it's after it's already come out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're a gamma reader. Yes, after it's already won a Hugo. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, honestly, uh, gamma reading and kaiju's uh, would seem That's appropriate. True. Yes, uh, but anyway, uh, um, but- if, if, if I may say real quick, people sometimes describe books as confident, especially like like a debut book, a confident debut, um, and usually I I. I don't usually understand what people are say- I mean when they say that to because to me they're usually not all that confident. Um it's just means that it's like, you know, it's better than you would expect for a debut. But I think frankly the way that publishing is now, you have to be, well, let's not say you have to be, but uh, it's a lot harder to get published now. And so I I would say stuff that is bad is because nobody cared to make it good whereas, mm-hmm. you know, you definitely used to read like you know, debut novels and be like, this is just like not very good. And then, you know, three novels on, they get good. But this is a confident fucking book. Like, oh, yes. I mean, first of all, the length. Second of all, the the pastiche. And third of all, the this, the complexity and the execution. It's just like it's it's like you picked up a skateboard and you were like, I'm going to learn to skateboard. And then you did like a 1080 you know, just immediately <laughs> just fucking dropped in on the biggest ramp you could, killed it. And they were like, all right. <laughs> I, I guess you can skateboard. All right. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, um, yeah. And, and if I remember correctly, uh, she did take for, for Jonathan Strange and Mr. Morale, she did take like, it took her like 10 years to, yeah. to write it. Um, there was a, a significant gap between that and <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> it was about ten years. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, yeah, and and Piranesi is a much shorter book. Uh, I I remember people asking, and apparently, um, 
I, I don't know if she she'd had it when she was writing uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Morrell, but but in the meantime, for sure, she, uh, she she began to suffer from some sort of you know chronic illness that then limited you know how how much she could really write, uh, which is you know the the big gap between you know yeah that that book and Piranesi, um, so you know in 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 a certain sense I I, I immediately thought to myself. A Susanna Clark book. It's out in the world. I'm going to go get it. Um, but, you know, pandemic brain along with hmm. just not really being, you know, like being a little stir crazy did not hmm. really combine to, uh, to, to to really prepare me for reading anything, you know, much less Piranesi, uh, in any charitable way, really. <laughs> so, so... You know, I, I'm eager to check it out in part because it feels uh, again, I think this feels like uh, it's riffing on uh, stuff like The Magician's Nephew, a, you know, C.S. Lewis's The Magician's Nephew and Narnia and and stuff like that, uh, where it's a lot of um, the woods between world, the, the wood between worlds type of stuff mm-hmm. uh, instead of, uh, you know, more stayed and somewhat stuffy uh settings like jonathan strange and mr Morrell. Mm-hmm. uh so so it we'll see we'll see i mean mm-hmm. uh we're gonna we're gonna probably uh knock out piranesi rather quickly uh so basically august will be probably dedicated to that um i have some tentative dates do, do we want to talk dates do we want to before we do that, I would like Go to call it. attention to a uh, a bit of irony. Go for which it. Is um, so so obviously uh, Jonathan Strange and Mister Norrell won the two thousand five Hugo. Um, would you care to guess one of the people who was who who had beat out in his only uh, Hugo Best Novel nomination, possibly his only Hugo nomination? Period. I'm not sure about that, but. Hmm. You mean in 2005? In 2005, yes. Huh. It would be one Mr. Ian M. Banks. Oh, interesting. was the only time he was nominated for a novel. Uh, I'm not sure if he was nominated for other stuff ever for a Hugo. Um, But uh, I haven't read The Algebraist. I started reading it and and got distracted. But suffice to say, um, I would guess that I probably would still like Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell Morris. But I thought that that was, that was a delightful bit of a uh, dramatic irony that, you know, we are going from one to the other. And this was, you know, this was the shot. This was, uh, <laughs> well, you know, and, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, uh, that's odd. Uh, I would think that it's, the more I think about like something like the Hugos and, and you know where the fandom is at any given point in time, uh, it is strange, right? That uh, Banks is so beloved. Uh, hey, hey, oh, uh, Banks is so beloved now, uh, and yet, you know, from, from what you're telling me, it doesn't seem that he was, uh, you know, really given any type of no just awards. Wasn't- he just wasn't well known in uh, mm-hmm. in the U.S. Um, yeah, so that that was that was Banks's only Hugo Award nomination for anything. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's. But anyway, uh, uh, yeah. So let's 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 talk dates. 
All right. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm thinking that uh, August we knock out uh, Piranesi. It, it's rather short. It's like uh, 254, I believe it's 254 pages or so. Our, um, our bushes will be fully amused. Hey. Uh, so, so basically, uh, uh, we're, we're shooting for like basically by August 3rd. For those of you out there who want to read along with us and be ready when this episode comes out, we're shooting for an August 3rd uh, release date that will cover parts one through three of Piranesi. Mm-hmm. And then uh, August 24th, we'll round out the book uh, parts four through seven. That's those are the dates we're mm-hmm. we're shooting for, and uh, th- you know a- as things progress, I mean, Piranesi doesn't seem to be that difficult to you know get into or whatever. But but just FYI, everyone out there, uh, if if anything comes up, uh, given the length of <laughs> Jonathan Strange and Mister Norrell, these dates may s- shift slightly, but. Uh, in general, uh, we do want to try for like starting it in September uh, and covering the first 11 chapters. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, roughly 104 pages into the book. Um, and, and more or less, you know, about 100 pages ish, 110, 115, something like that, uh, every time around. So, you know, like mm-hmm. October 5th is the next time, the 26th. Actually, October 5th will be 12 through the 22nd, or 12, parts 12 through 22. October 26th, we're shooting for 23 through 29, and so on. Um, uh, yeah, November. Is there, is there any chance that we can, that we can, we can uh, time the completion of a read-through roughly around the winter solstice? Because that would be ominous. <laughs> That would be great. Uh, the way it, it it this worked out, however, uh, I don't know when the when is the winter solstice. December twenty first, twenty twenty three, ten twenty seven p.m. Mm, I see. Yeah, we we still have three. <laughs> By that time, we still we would still have three uh, sessions to go. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, then perhaps not that. Yeah, no, I, it's fine. I mean, th- this is uh, honestly uh, if. If things, if we can read faster or whatever, maybe I don't know. Let's see. Can we but, can we stretch it out to uh, Walpurgis Nacht? <laughs> May. Wow, that's that's a that's a stretch. April, uh, April, isn't it? I thought. Is it April? I thought it was a May fifth. Uh, it's apparently April thirtieth to May first. So yes, okay, you, we are okay. we we are both correct, but you're more correct. <laughs> okay, <laughs> technically correct, the best kind of correct. Yes, um, that is very much a Mister Norell. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly right. Exactly correct. Um, Britishly correct. <laughs> it is Fascinate. the British way. <laughs> um, oh wow! Um, <laughs> so so uh, yeah, and so like by the time February eighth rolls around, we should have uh, finished with parts 60, 61 through sixty nine. Nice. I have a funny proposal for this one, mm-hmm. um, which is what would you think about doing a couple of like not quite not part of the read through, but perhaps uh, supplementary to it? What would you think about like uh, 
doing one or two pieces of like maybe like Victorian, you know, early speculative fiction, you know, short fiction from around the same time period to kind of like give a bit mm-hmm. of like like you know give a touch point for some of what it's for some of what is being pastiched. I'm I'm all about it. Um, what do you have in mind? I don't have anything particular in in mind, but uh, to I I want to say that um, I forget if it's if it's uh, Jane Austen, but like a, a few of those people of the Jane Austen variety also wrote like ghost stories, for instance, and mm-hmm. that could be a fun little you know digression. And Lord knows, but which Lord? There's plenty of you know fairy stories. Um, not that there are any fairies in this book. There might not be. Just throwing that out there randomly. Um, yes. The other thing, which I believe could be used to lure uh, one Podside Pete uh, into our midst, um, would be: uh, Are you familiar with the game Arcanum of Steamworks and Magic Obscura? I know of it. I wanted to play it very, very, very much. Well, my proposal is to give you the opportunity slash excuse to do so. Oh, um, there we go. Because is, is it on Steam? Probably. I don't know. Okay. If it's not hmm. on Steam, I'm sure it's on one or another fine websites. <laughs> I'm, I'm certain, yes. Um, because Ar- I think I think Arcanum, Arcanum was probably the thing that more than anything else like teed me up to love this. Because it's, it's basically about like a fantasy industrial revolution of a world that's transitioning from wizards and sorcerers to, you, you know, like looms and cotton gins and stuff and it's it's very much like you know going from it's it's very much operating in the same sort of top hat and monocle and frock coat plus wizard staff plus a bit of you know early steampunk type type stuff and hmm. i think it, it would be it would be a fun little uh companion piece because i i think it it doesn't do the same thing but some of the sparks that each strikes kind of come from similar flints i will say Oh, what what a, what a metaphor! Mm. <laughs> right, that's the uh, that's the Korean uh, rice beer talking. Oh, I see. <laughs> I, I've I don't think I've ever had Korean rice beer. It's the only performance enhancer that I use. Mm. Hmm. Well, I'm having a lovely. Uh, what is this? Mount Holly Beer Company. Uh, Mount Holly Beer Company. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. Which, which which Mount From, Holly? From Vermont, anyway. Oh, okay, okay. I was gonna say, is it Mount Holly, New Jersey? Uh, because that's where I grew up. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, this is called Super Tubos, soft IPA. Yeah, for for whatever reason, on one of our trips, not too not too far back, maybe three, four years ago, maybe we we took uh, a different route up to uh, to Maine, and we came across a delightful. Uh, little co-op market called uh, the Putney Food Co-op or something like that, like right across the the the, the parking lot, you know, across from the parking lot uh, that they have is a a community garden. Like hmm. when we passed by uh, this last time, there were like cabbages the size of like my head, or perhaps larger. I don't know. <laughs> nice. I do like a like a robust cabbage. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Uh, n- no cabbage beer, though. My father was a cabbage man, and I am a cabbage man myself. 
<laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. So, so, uh, and, and, uh, as with a lot of these, uh, these places up in, in New England, it's, it's sort of like a, uh, in Maine, they call it a, like a, var- a variety store. Hmm. So it's just basically, or the variety, you know, the oh, X variety. Yes. Yes. I do recall. I do vaguely recall that, that term from when I was in Maine, gosh, 12 years, 10 years ago, something like that. It's been a while. Yep. It, it's wild. It's wild. Uh, it is, it is nice though, because it's, it's basically like a little, a little market that mm-hmm. has like, you know, it, it's instead of having a Seven Eleven, you have these these things more mm-hmm. into the country. I, I guess wherever it's more urbanized, you'd have just like a regular chain mm-hmm. you know, convenience store or whatever. Uh, but anyway, uh, this is one of the things that I pick up over there is like, I, I always check out what they have uh, that's local just to, just to try it out, man. You know, yeah. Just and I mean, Maine is certainly a good place to do that. That That is absolutely a good place on vacation. <laughs> For a week, yes, I can have, and and also perhaps kayaking. Uh, you know, at Ooh, least lovely. Yes, I, I got it. I I I really took a, a liking to it. If it's not raining, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a little <laughs> dicey if it is. Yeah. Um, yep. Did you happen? Did you happen to stop at uh, Allagash Brewing Company in Portland? No, no, we we pass by because uh, we are where we go to stay is uh, more towards like West Maine. Okay, um, you know if if anything, uh, we we if we go along the coast like up that ninety five route, mm-hmm. um, we we then immediately reach Port Portland and and cut in, mm-hmm. you know, westward and uh, start because you know you can't get there from here. <laughs> uh the the only place I've ever gone in Maine, I briefly was in Portland and we briefly stopped in Bar Harbor. Um and the only other place I've ever been in Maine is uh Lubeck, which is the easternmost point in the mm. contiguous US. It is basically like the very edge where there's like a little uh bridge that goes over into um I guess Newfoundland. I guess it's, yeah, I forget if it's Newfoundland or, or uh, PEI. Or Prince Edwards. I forget which it is. Um, but yeah, it is way, way, way fucking out there. It's a big state. <laughs> Maine is a really big state. <laughs> it's very large. <laughs> it's it's a very large. large. It's a and, big, and also big like boy. very, uh, very Empty. sparsely, yes, yes, very sparsely uh, <laughs> lived in, you know, uh, which yeah, I, I, I kind of like. <laughs> there's a highway. I want to say it might be Route 9 that the locals call like, I think they call it like the airline or something. Hmm. Um, because you, it's basically just like a straight shot, like east to west across Maine, uh, or, or west to east, I guess both, um, across Maine. And you no, just damn keep it. Going. It only goes in one direction. Yes. Per- <laughs> it goes, well, it, it, you just go up over a hill and then down the hill and then up over the next hill and down. And you, you can do that for like literally eight hours straight. Mm-hmm. And we did. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's funny and nerve wracking because like, on the on every time you're going uphill, there will it will split so that so there's a passing lane to get past all of the tractor trailers that are doing mm. like logging and other bullshit, um, and then you'll be going downhill, and you'll see and so you, you kind of have to like plan like how many trucks can I pass on mm-hmm. the uphill? <laughs> exactly, exactly right. Yeah, yeah, that that, that is that is pretty pretty uh, spot on. Um, but yeah. Li- li- 
let, let's return to yes, uh, yes, yes. Back to the <laughs> back to uh, back to London. Back to England. Proper English fashion, quite. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, also uh, as I understand it, uh, ho- hoping. I think we we have we have put um, sufficient candles, uh, some some you know some summoning uh, materials out. Uh, and in the center is Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, so that we can, if we can, we can attract and summon Maddie Lewis back. Oh yes, to one come back. So. And, yes, one 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 hopes that uh, that she will come back to to uh, read along with us, uh, even if it's occasionally. Because I think one of the things that makes this book stand out to me, and I know, I know that. Again, she hasn't, as far as I know, she hasn't read the book, but you mentioned she's watched the TV show. So, you know, our our good friend Maddie is is a, a connoisseur um, of, uh, you know, fairy stories or fae stories or whatever, how, however you want to put it. And um, I think that this is a book that absolutely just nails it. Just mm-hmm. there's something about the depiction of the uncertainty, the uncanniness, but also the familiarity, the weird dream logic of it. Like this book just really nails it. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, if I were going to, like if someone was going to ask me like, what is the best fairy story that you can, like the best modern fairy story, I would immediately say uh, a strange in Narelle. I I can't even think of like a reasonable contender against it because it's just chef's kiss. Perfect. I thought for a second there, I was afraid you're going to say the Ancelli Brothers Limited. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> not so much. Not quite. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that uh, if there are any fairies contained in the If, in the if book, indeed such a thing were to be contained within the pages of this tome. Yes. Uh, I am certain that uh, Susanna Clark is up to the task of mm-hmm. portraying fairies as both uh, strange and menacing. They're both strange and Norell. <laughs> <laughs> strange and Norell. Yes. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I just, God, I love that book to pieces. It's so um, good. And, and I am delighted at the prospect of reading Piranesi. And you know what? Even if I, even if I didn't like it, I probably would still, do you ever like not like something, but your brain like forces you to like it and you're like, no, I still respect it. Yeah, no, I, I think I've had that happen. Uh, I can't think of anything recently that did that. Um, but yeah, like in spite of what you what you read, you're like, no, I kind of like this. Yeah, yeah. No, I, it works. It works. God damn it! <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Stop trying to convince me I don't like it. I know I like it. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's odd. It, it does happen on occasion. It, it, it's something about you know, like it it hit a vibe. It hit the right vibe at the right time or something. You know, should we? Uh, totally unrelated. Should we read any of the um, any of the short stories from uh, her other book? I was Ladies thinking. I was yeah. I was thinking. Uh, I was thinking that yeah, we should probably. Uh, check and see at least a couple of them yeah um i wouldn't i I would also like and granted i know that this is like probably a hundred years before the time period that we're thinking of here um is it yeah more or less Uh, like i i 
I, I do want to, uh, I would like to read a little bit of Machin uh, as Ooh, well. Yeah, I would, that would be great. I would love that. Uh, I, I, you know, I haven't really read much, uh, if anything, of his. Uh, and and this would be a great excuse to, to just read some of, mm-hmm. at the very least, the stuff that, you know, like, obviously, uh, what is it? Uh, the Great God Pan is... It is a an inspiration for Stephen King's uh, Lawnmower Man short story, which then became oh yeah, which then became the Lawnmower Man movie, the 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 great lawn man, <laughs> the legally distinct Lawnmower Man. <laughs> oh man, but but yeah, like uh, I, I'm thinking, like you, I think to your point about ghost stories, uh, like even Dickens has, like I mean, not not a Christmas Carol. I'm talking about like, is it the Signalman? Uh, is very much in that same vein as the Screaming Skull and stuff like that. Um, like like yeah, I think you're right. Like there are like a great many types of ghost stories like that 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 sort of uh, sort of encompass. A general time period. I don't mm-hmm. know that they they follow the same movement, uh, you know, literary movement as that that Susanna Clark is trying to uh, trying to imitate here. But but yeah, it, it'd be fun to read some of those as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And I I don't know. I just have a I, I think I think like it's such a high bar to clear to like uh, you know I. Uh, I've already talked a little bit about pastiche and I think one of the things I like about reading, you know, speculative fiction or even just fiction from other eras is that it is so totally alien and yet so completely familiar in so many ways. Like, like, you know, when you read it, that so much is going over your head. There's so many illusions and implications and, and riffs on things that you will never, that, that like maybe nobody will ever you know, remember, like, I, I often wonder about, you, you know, like 19th, like early 19th century literature, what subtle little asides or in jokes are included in there that, you know, despite our best efforts at historiography, we'll just never, we'll just never get, we'll just never pick up on. Maybe it's, you know, it's too obscure to have ever been written down by anybody ever where, but it was, you know, it's, it's the equivalent of like, that dress that looked blue and black to some people and whatever to the other people. And then it turned out that the guy tried to murder his wife as it turns <laughs> exactly. out recently. I forgot that that was the end of, of that story when I started making truly, the comparison. Truly, truly a, a weird turn that that story Maybe took. he made a deal with uh, some kind of a man with thistle down hair, perhaps. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> a Faustian but, bargain, if you will. But, uh, but but it's it, one of the things is that that sense gets lost in so much pastiche, and I, and I think it's so rare to read something that captures the joy of reading fiction from another era, mm-hmm. and this does, even though it's not, you know, and it doesn't do it by trying to 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 just copy it. It extends it. It, it embodies it so perfectly. And so, like, it's just I don't know. It's just exciting to me. Like, where's my brain? I I'm I'm excited to see where my brain gets repolarized to when I read it this time. Like, you know, do am I going to go wander around some forlorn, you know, country estates? I don't know. It could be. Could be. <laughs> or, or worse, it, it turns out that this is your uh, your activation phrase is, is, is buried in the book. And, uh, you know, suddenly you become the Manchurian candidate. 
Oh yes. no, <laughs> the Chestertonian candidate. <laughs> Draping Turns out, you 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 join up uh, a bunch of other would be as, uh, like assassins <laughs> in a chat room. <laughs> Turns out that everyone is a plant. <laughs> yes, yes, thank you. Yes, yes. Ah, it could be an, no. It's a little bit too long, but it is. It is an interesting comparison. It's it's. Nah, I don't know. I do. You're, I do love that. Uh, that book though you're you're talking about the was it the the man who's the man it was thursday the thursday okay it was like the i was getting it confused like the man who would be king on thursday (laughs) the man from uncle who would be the king of thursdays (laughs) that sounds like a batman villain the king of thursdays (laughs) i want to be president of calendars Um. (laughs) what a beautiful beautiful uh (laughs) Riff in Venture Brothers, wouldn't you say? My cat, by the way, uh, one of my two cats, um, R.I.P. Mr. Mustard, is is named uh, Thursday, which his full name is The Cat Who Is Thursday. Mm, there you go. And the other one's The Cat Who Walks Through Walls, and he's very problematic. Sorry. <laughs> the other one is ju- is actually just Jem. Jem. <laughs> no holograms, just the solo no hol- career. Yeah, Thank you. Just, yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, oh, uh, you were mentioning illusions and you reminded me of like the, the sort of limp defense of, <laughs> see, even Shakespeare used references. And you're like, come on, man. And and at the Globe Theater, of course, they would have uh, someone called a nudger who would go through the audience and elbow people in the ribs and go, did you get it? Did you get it? Did you get it? Did you get that one? <laughs> Pretty yes. good, right? Yeah, all all the players had to uh, stop in mid in mid act to uh, present to make sure that everyone uh, looked at the 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 embedded advertising. Everyone sl- stops on stage and slowly turns to look at the audience, and then slowly turns back to each other <laughs> <laughs> with one very slow wink. Yes. Um, um, do you think that the audiences were pleased to get that reference? Uh, I, I I imagine that they were, especially those of them in the cheap seats. There you go. But, um, um, but yeah, uh, it, it, it it you you talked about like the references and stuff like that. But uh, you know, like apart from that, I I, I was also thinking about uh, you know uh, the, the fact that the old Looney Tunes cartoons, the ones that were like. I guess were made like in the early forties or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of, lots of kids now just do not at all get the references. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get like, the references. I just internalized them. You know? Well, but I think that the, the issue isn't necessarily like there is a, a, an issue of like, well, th- that's a reference that has been sort of like been elided by time. Like sufficient time has passed that, and that that particular reference or that particular person, you know, like like you know, they'd have Edward G. Robinson yes. or, or Peter Lorre, you know, against Bugs Bunny. And you're like, I, mean, I didn't know who the fuck Peter Lorre was when I was seven. <laughs> but he's but he's drawn in a way that you're immediately like, oh, he's sort of like a slimy guy, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Um, and he talks like this. <laughs> he talks like this. Yes. Um, he talks like. Oh my God! He talks like Ren. <laughs> He does. He does talk like Ren. Yes. Yes. He's even kind of drawn. Oh, Ren, I, I mean, Ren, talks Ren is like even him, kind of drawn like him with like those kind of big wet eyes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't, the, don't, don't ask for a close up on the eyes, folks. That's all I'm going to say. 
The reference that always confused me the most in Looney Tunes until years later is, um, I want to say there's one where, uh, I forget if, it, I, I want to say it's like a, it's like a, it's like a Daffy Duck cartoon, I want to say, where he's <laughs> trying to catch a ghost or something, and he opens a door, and there's a skeleton, and he goes, ah, and he clams the door. And then he opens the next door, and there's a skeleton that comes out, and it's it's red, and it goes red skeleton. And of course, being a red, you know, a red skeleton reference, I didn't know who the fuck red skeleton was until I was like 22, and I was like, oh fuck, that's well, what mean, Daffy Duck was talking about. <laughs> that's who, that Daffy uh, Duck shit. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, but you you on that you on that Daffy Duck stuff. Uh, <laughs> Damn, son, where'd you find this one? Nineteen forty one. Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm almost uh, I'm almost certain that plenty of the people that are listening and don't know who Red Skelton is. <laughs> Google Red Skelton. He, he was a comedian. <laughs> He's a comedian. Yeah. Uh, more of, I mean, more of a, a comedian in the vaudevillian uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. sense. Yeah, he had a sad clown and a goofy clown and a, a drunk clown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was he was kind of like an early like uh, like he was kind of like a, like an early like like edgy comedian almost like a like a like an earlier forerunner almost of that kind. Well, of he like, he he had that like he a, his he was he had like an online uh, on stage persona, right? He he was yeah, basically yeah. like like a hobo, basically. Yes. <laughs> Just sort of slightly tipsy, telling jokes, and then some. Sometimes he he uh, you know paint himself up as the sad clown, uh, but but yeah, like uh, it's it's weird. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> Hard to explain. Yeah, yeah. I, I caught the tail end of that. Uh, you know, it, it, it's God. Could you imagine like uh, putting out like those Scooby Doo cartoons where we were talking about like uh, Don Knotts as a as a guest star? Is like who the hell is that guy that looks like a frog, a skinny frog? <laughs> <laughs> Just put it on for your kids and be like, who is that guy? He looks weird. <laughs> Going to explain? Yeah, tr- trying to explain Dobie Gillis to my children in twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know but, what's but, weird. When I when I read this book, there mm-hmm. were no smartphones. Isn't that strange? And now everyone and everyone is going to read this on their smartphones. Um, Maybe I'm going to try to find my actual physical copy. I want to say that it's at my parents' house. My parents have like a. <laughs> when I go there, it's very strange because they 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 have a room set up for me with like a lot of this like my childhood things still in it so like it's it's almost like they they expect me to suddenly like turn back to being 12 so i can just move back in it's very strange to, Re- reverse to... reverse big yeah basically you, yeah. you become small small, small. <laughs> or, or or is it small small yes s-m-o-l uh, <laughs> no oh god you this is already old. Like this is like ancient news by by measurements of the internet. But did you see that the 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 weirdo who has like the the weird blue aliens got a an Apple TV show? God. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like mm, loading on my human entertainment device. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. So Piranesi, I'm excited to read. Yes, <laughs> strange of Mr. Durrell. Back, I'm overjoyed to reread. The question for me, though, Carlo, is: Do I read it or do I audiobook it? Because I have read I, it before. 
And so uh, I could audiobook it, but mm. I mean the thing the thing here and and I'm not entirely sure how the uh audiobook handles the extensive footnotes for the uh for Jonathan mm, Strange and Mr. True. Morale. But I will say if you are so inclined, God I, I have become a sucker for having my copy like my physical copy and then reading along with the audiobook. It's so good. I love it. Oh no, I can't, I can't do it. I fuck around with it too much and it makes, it's just, it's it's just the, like the discontinuity infuriates me. I need to be all the way. One of the, I'm probably just going to read it to be perfect. No, no, go for it. Go for it. I mean, it's, it's all good. I just, I kind of love it in part because, um, it, it it definitely feels I don't know it feels indulgent too it feels like I'm being t- sumptuous told the story yes yeah, sumptuous um, but yeah like like I also want to have like a physical copy in part because for whatever reason like I I really hate using uh, like an ebook note taking type of thing you know like yeah you know, like I have a Kindle. I could, I could, yeah, I could highlight and make a note or whatever. And it's like, it's, it's not the same thing as just, just like putting a little sticky and being like, yeah, I want to flip directly to <laughs> this page. There's something like, I don't know if you, if you have the same feeling, but there's something about the, the artifact nature of having a physical book that just, I don't know. I just love flipping back and forth and, and just having, having it there in front of me. Uh, and, and, you know, in, I don't know if I, if I'm reading as I'm listening to the, to the, to the audiobook narrate it to me, I have to stop and, you know, like, oh, this passage, I need, I need to, you know, highlight hmm. this passage or whatever. It's, it's a pain, but I mean, I, I don't think it's that different than if you stopped reading, reading. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway. It's it's a it's a it's a process that I've I've come to enjoy on my own. Mm-hmm. It's just it's, I, I think to me it's too much of a reading book. Mm-hmm. It's just, and I know that that's a funny thing to say, but it is. That's all that it is. It's a reading book. It's a book for reading. <laughs> well, I mean, it 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 is. Yeah, to your point, I think uh, especially Jonathan Strange and Mister Norrell are definitely is definitely a book that delights in the the medium of it mm-hmm. of a book of a novel um in part because like there's so many tiny like i'd mentioned the the footnotes before but but like uh, there are footnotes that are just entire stories by themselves that are just like there mm-hmm. and it's it just god i love it so much because it just sort of like deepens the experience it opens the world up to you i don't know man it's just great and it's just full of little tiny details like that too. And they just sink in. They just sink in. They're just, it's just perfect. It's just, it's just perfect. It's such a leisure, it's just a leisurely, graceful book. Just mm-hmm. oh, man, I, I, you, you're I making think, me want to rush, rush, rush right away and start I mean, reading. Fuck it. me too, man. Like, uh, God, like the um, uh Jesus, what's his name? Um, uh the the. The manservant. Um, what the fuck is his name? Oh, um, Kylermus. Yes, yes, yes. He is awesome. Just a perfect, just such a good, such a good character. Just <laughs> such a good character. God damn. And 
Like to me, that there's something about reading a character like that in prose that, like, I, I I've never watched the TV adaptation because oh really the reason is I saw their version of the man with thistle down hair and I was like wrong <laughs> I just I just never watched it I just he he, he, he it's David Bowie. He's, he's tall and skinny and like you know like scarecrow like had to be and, mm-hmm. and I I don't know it just wasn't right it just it didn't look right maybe it's good I'm sure that it is good but it wasn't it's too much of a book for me so yeah I I, I think you're right um I I did watch the adaptation and uh that that is the one sort of dissonant note in 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 the uh the entire show is the main one right uh, mm-hmm. is that is uh, he he seems to be played um more or less as just straight up threatening all the time yeah and, like like a and, goofy weird little goblin kind of guy yeah, yeah and and the thing about the character in the book is that he he's almost like he's a trickster in a very classical fashion right yes where he he can be like sort of like innocent and somewhat uh ethereal one moment and then the next he's just like completely like cold and menacing and you're like what the fuck <laughs> well he's 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 an aristocrat to the aristocrats that are already in the story right like mm-hmm. like to you know as strange and norell are to you know a random commoner um you know the man with thistle down hair is to them basically like like it's you know it's it's just something preternatural about it and it didn't quite i don't know again i haven't watched the show maybe we should mm-hmm. maybe i should i don't know suffice to say i mean you you could watch it afterwards i guess uh yeah. i i don't i didn't have uh anything you know terrible to say about it i thought it was is a fairly good adaptation it but it again it, it's like we're just talking about it, it it's lacking in the thing that makes the book so interesting, which is that it's a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, very much so. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we're kind of spinning our wheels at this point. <laughs> you think? No, no, come on. But uh, suffice to say, I am super stoked uh, to get back, to, to read this again, to read Piranesi for the first time. I'm stoked for everything that's going to take us. Well, I want to read some Jane Austen. I want to... I want to wear some 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 funny eye pieces, and I got to look up some weird like uh, some weird like Victorian uh, libations. I think so I can sit here and drink something mm. with like I don't know beef beef a tea beef a, and, a beef yeah. fizz <laughs> beef fizz yes <laughs> some punch mm. I'll make like three gallons of punch just for myself oh, the 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 punch that has like uh, egg whites beaten to a froth yes mm. it's good actually the egg, uh, no no the, I, the egg white froth I, I, I is watched, good yeah I don't I don't doubt that it's good it's just when you do not like if you told me beforehand I wouldn't I would probably be like no, I don't want to drink that <laughs> so my parting thought for you is um only has to do with egg whites and not the book. Uh, there is a drink called an egg cream. Are you familiar with egg creams? Mm-hmm. I, I I know of it. I've never had one. It's, I think. it's like it's like seltzer, chocolate syrup, and uh, water. I think is literally like the the ingredients of a classic egg cream. But um, uh, there is a 
uh, a, a soda fountain slash ice cream store in Philadelphia um, called Frankfurt Fountain, I think is what it's called. No, no, Fr- uh, Franklin Fountain, I, I think it is. It's on like Second Street, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Second and Market, maybe. Um, and they have an egg cream that actually uses egg whites in it, and it is delicious. And I am going to have to go there and get one in the near future. Um, they go. also have all sorts of weird, like, 19th century, you know, uh, weird concoction. Uh, what the fuck do they call those? They used to call it, uh, like, uh, phosphors or, like, uh, phosphorics or something like that. Uh, <laughs> I forget what. It's nice. Like a, it's like a weird, like, precursor of modern sodas. So suffice oh, okay. to say, um, I need to drink one of those and then start reading this book. So. Hell yeah. <laughs> get, get, get in the mood. Get in the mood. That's right. Yeah. All right. Sounds great. Uh, I, I'll... I'll I don't know that I have any of that here, but uh, please, please let us know how the egg cream went. I, I will. I'm sure it'll be good. I've had it before. It was great. I'm sure it'll be great again. I, I have faith. I have faith in my friends at the Franklin Fountain. There you go. <laughs> Say that five times fast. Well, anyway, yeah. uh, Kurt, thanks for, for joining me for this. Uh, everyone out there, uh, get ready. The, get ready to read. That's right. A lot. Right. A lot. Pages. Pages and pages. Stacks on stacks. You won't even know. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, thanks everyone for listening. And we'll catch you next time here on Podside.